Well, this morning I'm excited. Um, I, not that, you know, I'm excited for our pastor to not be here. Not that. I'm excited that I have the opportunity to share. Um, it was kind of funny. Uh, this past week on Thursday, we had a section meeting here at the church, and uh, we had a lady speak who's just gifted in evangelism, gifted as a pastor. Uh, she had her and her, her previous husband who had passed away, and she's remarried now, had, had ministered for 14 years in the Genesis Center. Um, and, and it's just, you know, ministering to women and families. And, and she, you know, afterwards, I just had this inclination. I said, you know, I don't know why, but I feel like, I feel like you're supposed to pray over me. I don't know why. You know, that's kind of a weird thing, you know, to say, not, to, to not for someone to pray over you, but you to feel the inclination to say, hey, I want you to pray over me. And she said, it's so strange that you said that because I felt the inclination from the Spirit to pray over you. And so at one point she was praying and, you know, she had said in passing, and, and I think she meant in future reference, but it's funny how things turned out. She's like, well, I just see you preaching, you know, you're preaching. And, and I'm like, okay. And, you know, she's praying over me, you know, and then the very next day, pastor was like, I'm not feeling well. I need you to preach. And I was like, well, that's weird. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. Of course, I know she was speaking into, you know, saying, you know, continue on the path that you're on. But, well, you know, it was just ironic that she said that. And it was funny because then Wednesday, uh, this same message, not exactly the same, but this message is similar to the one that I preached to our youth students. And, and before I preached it, I was like, man, this would be a really good Sunday morning message. That's what I was thinking in my head. Well, here we are, right? God's funny like that, how he could set things up. But this morning, I'm excited to share with you because I think this is something, like I was saying to my, my students on Wednesday, is that this is something that we must pay attention to in the Scripture. And it's important that we understand what is being you know, shared in this Scripture this morning. So please, get your, you know, get your notes out. You know, if you take notes on your phone, get it out, take them on your phone. If you take them on a notepad, take them. Because I believe that the Lord is going to speak to you through this, not because of me, but because of who he is and his word. Amen. So before we go any further, I just want to pray one more time and just ask the Lord's blessing on this because I, that's, that's my heart's desire for him to speak something into you. So Father, I pray that Lord right now, as we begin to read your word, that Lord, it would speak to our hearts, that it would minister to our hearts, that God, we would realize that Lord, this is what the word that was inspired and given to us by you and that Holy Spirit, you breathed it out and you spoke it through the servants of old. And so God, I pray that, Lord, as we read it, it would minister to us, God. I thank you that your word, oh Lord, is like what the scripture says. It's that double-edged sword. It cuts through things, Lord. Sometimes it hurts, but God, in the end, it's to, to take us closer to you, God. It's to strengthen us in some way where we weren't before. And so, Father, let your blessing be on this. Let your Holy Spirit move for your glory, God. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the title of this message is Focus on Jesus. For the youth, it was just focus. But like I said, some things adding to, but focus on Jesus. Our main text is going to be out of Hebrews chapter 12, and it'll be verses, I believe, 2 through 3 or 1 through 3. Um, that is where we will be kind of camped for a while, and we'll go into other directions. I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Bible. Um, this translation 
Uh, honestly, it just, it really spoke to me when I was reading through it. Not that, you know, one's better than the other. I think they're all important. And so it may look a little different from your Bible or from your app, whatever you're reading it from in your seat. But it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute fullness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Looking away from all that will distract us, focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive to our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. And I'm going to stop there. What are we focusing on each and every day? That's the question this morning. What are you focusing on? Okay. You may say that's very simplistic. It really is because Jesus and the message of his truth and the gospel and the word of God, it really is very simplistic. The tragedy is, is as human beings, we, we, we tend to make it more complex. We tend to think that there's extra steps needed or we create extra steps. There's even some denominations that create extra steps, sadly. But the reality is it's very simplistic. It's very easy, but it takes us making some choices along the way if it's going to be that way. Not that God isn't able, God is able, but remember, he's a God of what? Free will, right? A free choice, right? He allows you to choose what you want in relationship with him. If you want to pursue him, if you don't want to pursue him, if you want to obey him when he speaks to you, or if you don't want to obey him. So it's important that we understand what are we focusing on each day. That's the question. That word focus, I just looked up, you know, a, a rough definition. A center of activity, attraction, or attention. A point of concentration. I really like that. A point of concentration. It is your direct attention. When you focus in on something, everything else it becomes irrelevant, right? It's no longer there to pull you left or right or back or, or forward. When you focus in on a particular thing, you've ever heard somebody say, you know, hey, could you just give me five minutes? I really need a focus to get this done, right? We've all done that, right? And in doing that, what are you doing? You're, you're putting your mind and your heart into a place of complete, like I was saying, complete concentration on that particular thing whether it's your job or it's your kids or it's a circumstance that you're dealing with with a family member or you're you know, talking to someone on the phone, I need to focus. It's something that we all do, right? But the question is, again, what are we focusing on? Because a lot of times, I think, sadly, at times, we don't focus on the right things. And then we think that somewhere along the way, it's something else, but in reality, it's our own selves, it's our own selves not focusing on the correct things. You see, I was in prayer this past week. I was in my car praying. And I was driving down the road. And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Now, some people may say, well, what does that mean? I just simply mean I was praying and I felt like God really put something in my heart. 
And while I was praying, I felt like the Lord, of course, directed me to this scripture specifically in Hebrews, but he also said this to me. I felt like he said to me, Reese, don't make me your goal. Make me your focus. And I really started to think about that. What does that mean? What do you mean, God? Don't make, wait, wait. wait. You, you should be my goal, right, God? You see, but as I began to think about that, it really opened something up to me. I started to realize goals, of course, aren't bad. Goals are great. Goals are good things because goals can help an individual or a person or let's say a, a group of people. They can help them reach a targeted destination in a very, very specific, timely way. They, you know, when you set a goal, let's say you work for a school district, I'll use them as a good example. They have goals. They have target numbers of, okay, we want this year, we want to see this many students pass. You know, we want to see this many students get through this subject or we don't want to see this many students get discouraged. And, and drop out. You know, my point is, is there's targets, there's goals. And this morning, it's not the morning of bashing goals. It's the understanding of where goals and where focusing on those goals lie with, with God. Because like I said, sometimes what we can do is, is we begin to focus on the wrong thing. We have the right intention, but we start to focus on the wrong thing. So we're going to talk about how we should first make Jesus our focus this morning, okay? And how that relates then to the goals and where God's going to take us in our life. It's very important that we understand that's where we're going with this because I don't want somebody walking out here going, Pastor Reese told me to never make goals no more in my life. That's not what I'm saying. That is not it at all. You see, you have to understand something. To focus on Jesus means that other things have to diminish. We're going to start there. All right, let's go back to that scripture, okay? What does it say? Let's go back to Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Hey, by the way, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, the writer's referring to the body here. You're a witness. You're a witness of Jesus. We're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, right? Heavenly when we're with him in heaven, of course, earthly, when we're gathered together as the body. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith, we have what? By faith have what? We testified to the truth of what? God's absolute faithfulness. So we should already know right here and there, the most important thing we could focus on is who Jesus is, how he's changed us in our lives, and how it's important that we know collectively as a church, as a body, as a group of believers, that he should be our main focus. Why? Because God's faithful. You ever focus on the stock market? Good luck. Yeah. You'll have like four breakdowns a day, right? I think of those men who you know, or in those investing groups who spend millions of dollars and then something blows up and they're like, you know, they're in the bathroom hyperventilating, I'm sure. Why? They're focused on something that's of this world. That's something that's not really faithful. You see, God's faithful. Notice what it says here next. It says, stripping off every unnecessary weight. Remember what I said? I said, to first focus on Jesus, it means that other things have to diminish. You see, I think this is, and this is, I'm just going to be as simplistic as I can with this, okay? I don't want to make this complex. 
I think what we do is we begin to focus on Jesus. We desire to focus on Jesus. We desire to pursue Jesus. But the thing that we forget to do is we have to strip things off if we're going to follow God. We have to take things out, off of our lives, meaning we have to you know, remove the unnecessary weights. I love how it says that. Because remember, he's referencing to a runner in this. You know, runners don't run in snow jackets, okay? Do they? No. They run in light clothing, right? Why? Because they want to be as weightless as possible. Why? So that as they're running, as they go along, the less weight they're carrying, the easier it is for them to endure that long distance running in that race. Okay? I remember we used to train in basketball to get faster. We would wear a 40-pound weight vest, and we'd practice a whole practice in a 40-pound weight vest. And then the next day, we didn't have that weight vest on. We thought we were flying because it was like, wow, you're 40 pounds lighter. You feel completely different. You see, God's saying, in following me and in focusing on me in your life, you're going to have to remove some things. And sometimes those things are bad things, but then also sometimes those things are the good things that you have to remove. It's very funny. I was in worship right now and I started to think about this same thing. Like, like, Lord, is there things I need to strip off? And God has actually, it's so funny. He just spoke to me in this moment. I was thinking about this person in my life who I have a very close relationship with. And this person is a family member. And this person and I, it's like, we've always been close, but recently for some reason, things have kind of just, you know, when you just kind of, you kind of break away and it's not because we're upset. It's not because, you know, we had a fight. It's because life is somehow kind of pulling us away a little bit, but I was sitting there thinking prior to this kind of encounter of these things happening, I had been praying, God, I need you to remove unnecessary relationships. Maybe things in my life that are going to hinder my walk with you. Maybe things in my life that will try to remind me of things before. Maybe things in my life. And what I realized in that moment when I was praying was this particular person I have this relationship with, it was holding me back in a way. Not because they're bad but because God had something different. And I was sitting there praying and I was thinking about it just now in worship because I was thinking about that same thing, God stripping off things. And it was like the Lord was saying, that's what I'm doing with this, but I'm doing it in the most gracious way. You see, the beautiful thing about Jesus is he's not just gonna run in and rip the bandaid off. It's going to be a process. I've talked with Brother Jason about this before. As you begin to focus more on God in your life, as you begin to desire to be more and more like him and walk in his character and walk in his mind and walk in his heart and his truth and to really be who God's called you to be as a new creation. Okay, that old guy has to go, right? That old person has to die. That old person is dead. The first scripture I ever, one of the first ones I ever memorized was Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. And I've said it before. Therefore, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man who was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I have to put on the new, new person. I have to take off the old. Remember, I said, if we're going to be closer to Jesus it means things have to diminish. If we're going to focus on Jesus, like it's saying here, things have to diminish. And so sometimes God has to take unnecessary weight off of our life. Unnecessary things. And sometimes it's a process. And sometimes it's quick. But the point is, is that is part of what we have to do as Christians. As we are focusing and putting our eyes on Jesus... We have to understand that God might in the process say, I need you to get rid of this. I need you to get rid of this. I need you to give this up. But why? Why, God? I like this. 
Because it's not because, again, he hates the fact that you like that. Like this relationship I have with this person in my family. He doesn't hate that. It's a, it's a relationship that I know that I've seen God move in. But it's the fact that God's saying, I am going to use you in a different way. And I'm going to move in his life a different way. And that doesn't always mean that you have to be there. Sometimes one of the problems is why we can't focus on Jesus. And I'm going to go into this with goals. Is that we are trying to accomplish the goal without God. Come on, be real. Be real. You ever had that? You ever, you ever hear God give you a word? Let's just look at the Bible. I said this again to, to Jason this morning. I said, it, it's very, very relatable with Abraham. God gave him a goal, right? <laughs> Have a son, right? That's, <laughs> that's the goal, man. He's waking up every day. Go where I tell you to go. It started off with going to where I'm telling you to go. And so Abraham's like, yeah, I'm doing that. Okay, I'm going where you tell me to go. And then God gives him that word, right? You're going to have a son right? And he's going to be the promised son. And he's going to be the son that, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands more descendants than the stars in the sky, you know, and God's going to use that son and the lineage of that son and the covenant promise, right? All those things, right? God declares that to Abraham and that becomes a goal in his life to see Sarah have the son, right? But what does Abraham do along the way? He stops focusing on God and he starts to focus on getting the goal accomplished. Make it the goal, make it the goal. Oh, well, God, it's not working, so let me help you. Let me help you reach the goal, God, right? That's what he does. He helps God. How does he help God? Of course, with the servant. And then who's created? Ishmael, right? And then God's like, that wasn't the goal. So what does he have to do? He has to start all the way over again, right? (laughs) He's back to square one. See, sometimes we do that very thing in our lives. We do that. God gives us a goal, and we begin to focus on that goal. But notice what we should do. We should be focusing on Jesus. Because the, the amazing thing is Jesus will then take us to that goal. It's really cool. And along the way, he'll do some awesome things with it. He'll put in some powerful testimonies that support that goal. He'll lead you to some new people who get touched and possibly saved through your words of the gospel given to them and the moving of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you're no longer focused on the goal. You're focused on Jesus. And that relates in his life. I used this illustration with the students this week. I I, I said, I want you to think of a coconut. All right, how many of you know what a coconut is? Raise your hand. Just making sure we're all, we all know what a coconut is. Okay. Just making sure. Some people don't, you know? I don't know. But when you, when you pick up a coconut, let's say you buy one at the grocery store, right? Okay. The state of that coconut then, does, it did not look like that in the beginning. No. I don't know about you, but if you've ever seen like an actual coconut you would not think it was a coconut. You'd be like, what in the world is this thing? But what do you have to do with a coconut? You have to strip that off, right? You can't get to what's inside by leaving what's on the outside. You see, the problem is, is again, we want to focus on God, but we're not willing to strip off the things in our lives that are diminishing us with him. You see, we're not willing to strip off the things because we think those things are somehow going to take us to God's goal for our life. But I need that person. No, you don't. But I need this thing. No, you don't. 
if the Lord is saying, I want you to focus on me, I want you to remove it. Because remember, look at what he's saying again. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and sin, which so easily and cleverly entangles us. You see, we have to strip off the things of the world, the weights of the world, but we also have to do this. We have to strip off sin. Sometimes you may not reach God's goal for your life, or, or maybe sometimes this, you, you focus so much on the goal of what God's called you to do and not enough on Jesus that somehow, cleverly, sin keeps showing up, man. Right? Keeps coming in. It keeps knocking at your door. And then you wonder, man, I, I, I don't have the strength. Why can't I overcome this? Why can't I get through this? Well, it's because you're too focused on where you believe God's going to take you and less on who God is. And when you know who God is and when you know who you are in God each and every day, I, I was talking to a brother about this last night. We, you said two, the, the two essential things, a prayer life and knowing the word of God. What are those things? Focusing on Jesus. And the more you make the choice to do that, the less that sin, the less those things that try to what? So easily and cleverly entangle us have power. Because you begin to realize, I don't need that. I know what I need. I know what I need to focus on. It says, let us run with endurance and active uh, persistence the race that is set before us. You see, another problem is, is why we're having trouble walking this walk out or running this run is we still got all this weight and all this stuff on us. You see, just like the fact that we have to strip it off, we have to be willing to strip it off. Like I was saying earlier. See, the problem is, is sometimes people get tired of running the race of faith. And if you've, if you've ever had somebody go, I just, I just feel so burnt out, I felt that way. And what I realized was this, I had been putting on things I was putting on stuff that wasn't a part of God's vision for my life. I was putting on extra pieces of clothing. I was adding weight to myself and I was carrying it and I was running and I was going, man, why am I so tired? And it was because God was saying, you just put extra stuff on you that I never asked you to put on you. You just did something that I told you not to do. You tried to pursue other things in your own heart because you're, you're thinking of the goal of reaching what you want to reach instead of focusing on me. And so then I had to backtrack, right? <laughs> Start taking it off. Oh, <laughs> this is easy again, God. That's right. Because now you're focused on me. What did Jesus tell his disciples when they went to go minister to towns? This just came to my heart. He told them to take absolutely nothing. It's mind-blowing. If we're going to go minister, we got to have a, a camper. <laughs> oh, we need a pop-up tent because it's sunny. I mean, these men had nothing. He said, don't even bring a second tunic. <laughs> that was a dirty tunic they were walking around in. That's all I'm saying. That's the only one they had, man. Yet, what was he showing them there? He, he, he wasn't just showing them, you know, obey what I'm asking and you'll see a miracle. He's saying, I want you to rely on me. I want you to rely on my power. I want you to see how I'm going to work and move. Why? Because when the time come, the time came that he was gone and he returned back to heaven, what did those men become? 
the church, the apostles, the leaders, right? So then what did they have to do when they were on the run? They had to know how to live, how to survive with little, how to get through and to trust that God was going to bring what they needed. See, again, sometimes our focus is so shifted on what we think we need to do for God and not on God that we begin to think we need things that God says you don't need. And if you would focus on me, you would realize you don't need them because I'll provide them. I'll meet them. I'll find you in your need. God doesn't want us to continue to live in that way. He wants us to understand that Jesus, when we focus on him, he set us free from the things around us. And I was talking about stripping those things off. And and a verse that comes to heart is in Colossians. It's Colossians 1 through 11. I'm going to read a lot of scripture this morning. It says, therefore, if you've been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above. Notice, you had to strip off from seeking the things that were below. Do we do that? Are we doing that? Are we focusing on doing that? Do you wake up every day saying, I'm going to focus on the things that are above. I'm going to focus on who Jesus sees me as. I'm going to focus on how he's calling me to do this work or he's asking me to go here. You know, last week, last Monday, I I went to a gas station where we live in our little town. And when I was there, I got out of my car and and I put the gas in my car and I thought, I'm going to go inside and get something to drink, okay? Okay. And so I go inside, but before I went inside, there was a car on the other side of the same gas pump, you know, as mine, but on the other side, it was a van. And, you know, it was was a little beat up. It looked a little rugged. There was a young man and a young lady in it. And they looked a little rugged, and there was kids in the back, and you could see them moving around. And I didn't think anything of it. I just saw them, and I just, for some reason, I just was like, okay, yeah, I don't know. All right, they're, they're there, okay. So I go inside, I get my drink, and I'm leaving. And as I'm leaving, I'm going to get in my car, and I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to go over to them, ask them what they need, and I want you to give it to them. Now, what if I would have just focused on the fact that I needed to get somewhere? The goal for my day. Anybody set goals for their day? Oh, yeah, goal setters? Hey, man. You got some goal setters in here. You wake up and you're like, boom, boom, boom. You're writing them out. You put in a little check box because you're extra so that when you get it done, you can hit it with the check or the X. So you could say, yeah, look, you know, and then your spouse comes home. And you're like, look what I did today. That's right. I did 15 things. What did you do? You know, right? You got proof, right? <laughs> We're being real. Okay. So I could have been like, this isn't a part of the goal of my day because I had to go meet with somebody. The goal of my day is to meet with this person. But the Holy Spirit said something different. So I stopped. I said, okay, all right, I'll do it. So I went over. I'm waving at this guy. He opens the door. And he looks at me and he says, yeah, what's up? And I said, hey, man, I know this is totally random, but... Uh, Jesus just spoke to me and he told me to give you what you need. What do you need? He stops and he looks at his spouse. She's crying. She's on the phone with somebody. He looks at me. I don't have any gas in my car. I'm just trying to take my kids to school. And I said, well, I got your gas. Don't worry about it. And he's looking at me like, what? Like what? I go over there. I open up his gas thing, 
I mean, he's not even doing it. I'm just doing it. I don't care. And I, I put the gas pump in there, and I start pumping the gas, and I just start talking to him. You know, I didn't make my goal giving him $20. I'm just going to give him all of it. I don't care. As much as he needs. It's the pump's just running. And he's kind of looking at the pump and looking at me, and I'm just talking to him. And I start preaching the whole gospel to him. And I start telling him about how Jesus loves him. And the Holy Spirit shows me that he had the worst representation of Jesus in his life. And that's why he ran from the church. It's because people around him in the church with their religious mindset made him feel like because he didn't get it right and get it perfect every time, because he wasn't this perfect person, that he couldn't be there. And he started weeping and he started crying. And I could see the Holy Spirit moving. And right then and there, this grown man is crying in front of me. His kids are inside and God's moving and working. I'm telling Jesus is alive. He's real. He's right here in this moment. He's trying to show you that he's here. And all he wants you to do is give your life to him and love him and follow him. And he said, man, I, 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 I just, I, I was doing that. And then I stopped and now I'm here. And I said, no, it doesn't matter. Just go back to him. It doesn't matter. And I've got to pray with the man and I got to tell him who Jesus was. And in that moment, I realized something. And what was even better is then the gas pump went click click and he looks over and he breaks down he starts crying because I gave him as much gas as he wanted why because God doesn't he's no respecter of no man he loves us all and in that moment I realized something this man this young man he's wanting to do it he just doesn't know how I said brother I'll walk with you I'll grab you by the arm and I'll walk with you I'll love you you know what was even crazier I went to school with this guy. He didn't even know. When he told me his name, I realized who he was. I went to school with him and his brothers. And he got in that car and he left. And you know what? I didn't even care about what my goals were for that day. Because at that point, I was so focused on Jesus. And that whole drive to that meeting, I was just praising Jesus. And my whole focus shift. And then when I went to that meeting, it was more about Jesus. And then the whole focus of the day became Jesus. You see, our focus has to be on him. Our focus has to be on him. Setting our eyes, setting our hearts on the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. It says, set your mind and keep focused habitually. Look at this, on the things above. It's a habit. Habits are only formed by choice. Okay? If you want to eat healthy, it'll become a habit from choice, right? It doesn't just kind of like just show up like all of a sudden, I don't know what it was. I just woke up Tuesday and I just eat healthy now. Like it, is, it doesn't work like that, right? It's a choice, right? Like I don't, I never want to eat a Hershey's bar again. Like, no, you had to make that choice, right? You see, it's the same thing for us in our spiritual faith. We have to make the choice of saying, Jesus, I'm going to focus on you. It says, look, keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth which what have only temporal value. They only have a value for a moment. That's the things we shouldn't focus on. It says, for you died to this world. Your new real life is hidden in Jesus Christ. It's hidden in Christ. 
I'm going to jump over to Colossians 3, uh, verse 12. I know the guys in the back are like, that wasn't it. That's There's more. I'm like, no, it's okay. We're moving this way. It says, so as God's own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose, and well-beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which have the power to what? Endure. Notice, remember, guys, let's jump back to Hebrews 12. What does it say? Stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which eats so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance. Oh, endurance, that word's there. Let's go back to Colossians 3, verse 12. What does it say? Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness that may come with a good temper. Notice how those things coexist together. Notice how endurance in Christ, and when I focus on Christ, and when my mind and my heart is on Christ, and you go, it's that simple? It really is. It's that simple. When you definitively make that choice, what is the product of that choice is more character like God, more patience, more endurance, more of the ability to to continue on this race that's set before you, more persistence, more self-control. All of this comes from your focus being on Jesus, not on your goal. Not on your goal of of being, you know, whatever. Man, my goals have changed. The more I walked with Jesus, the more I knew, you know, I don't, my goal shouldn't be to, to have this big this or big that or let people think I'm this or that. No, my goal should be that I know him and he knows me and I'm so close to him that it doesn't matter in a moment's notice if it's a gas pump across from me or if it's somebody in a Walmart or if it's a situation at my work, I can immediately respond because my focus is on Jesus because this life is temporary. These moments are temporary. These moments aren't granted to us each and every day. We're not given the opportunity to say, you know what, tomorrow is going to be my next day because we don't know if it's going to be our next day. But I know in the moment, as I focus on Jesus, it's every moment with him. It's every situation with him. The next thing, when it's in regards to sin, and I just want to say this briefly, and then I'm going to move on to another point, is this. Another problem that we have is we stop focusing on Jesus and we start focusing on what we used to do. We focus on how we screwed up last Thursday. Okay? I'm being honest. We're being real today. This is church. You focus on what you did three weeks ago. You focus on what you did in 1997. You focus on what you did in 2003. And what it does is the more you focus on that, the less you're going to reach what God's calling you to do. Because the enemy will lie to you every day. Ah, you can't do that. Remember, you did this in 1984. Well, let me tell you this. It's 2022, and Jesus died way before that. And he dealt with your sin. He dealt with your problems. So now we don't have to focus on that anymore. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 24 through 28. And I was reading this, and it was just like so strong last night. I was just overwhelmed in my prayer closet last night when I was reading this because I realized this is what so many Christians do. They are stuck in this this treadmill and they can't break free of it. And I was just seeing how it was like the Lord was showing me so so many of my children are free. They're free, but their problem is is they focus on every reason why they're not free instead of focus on the reasons why they are free. And if they would focus on me, then those other reasons, they'd fall away because my power and my spirit and my presence would overwhelm and break the stronghold of those things off of their lives. And the enemy's voice will no longer have any effect. And it all starts 
with us making that choice in our understanding of faith. This is for Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself now to appear in the very presence of God on our behalf. Nor did he enter into the heavenly sanctuary to offer himself again and again as the high priest enters to the holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have had needed to suffer over and over since the foundation of the world. But now once for all, look at this, but now once for all, the consummation of the ages, he has appeared and been publicly manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed and destined for all men to die once, after this comes certain judgment. So Christ, having been offered once and once for all to bear as a burden the sins of many, will appear a second time. Notice this. When he returns to the earth, not to deal with sin. What does that mean? I sat there and I was like, it's already dealt with. It's dealt with in your life. You let the enemy tell you it's not. I, I was sitting in prayer the other day and I thought, God, why do we give the enemy so much credit when he's a created being? Just like me. He's not powerful than you. You created him. Yet we'll give him that. Why? Because we'll focus on what he says. We'll focus on those other things. We'll focus on the unnecessary. We'll focus on the sin that so easily entangles us or the past sin that so easily entangled us. And what it does is it creates this idea that well, I'm, still, I'm still here. I can't, I can't move any further because of that. When God says, no, 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 I already dealt with it. I dealt with it with Jesus. I dealt with it that first day you came to me. But I messed up again, Jesus. That's okay, because you came back to me, and in my grace, I dealt with it again. I dealt with it in my love each and every day. Remember what I said. It's that process that God will take you through. In certain situations, it could be quick, and in other situations, it takes time. But the reality is, the underlining thing is, is what am I focusing on? If I'm focusing on Jesus, I'll see him work and move in me. Look at this. Jesus is the author of our faith and the one who perfects us. Okay? Think about this now. Oh, uh oh, we got 10 minutes. All right. It says, and I'm going to finish the rest of this verse. So go back to Hebrews 12, guys. Just start, just start at verse 1. I'm going to read through it again. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. So let's live out our life in faith, focused on Jesus. Then look at this. It says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on what? Jesus. Focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is what? The author and the perfecter of our faith. And I said this to our students this past week. I said, what is an author? I'll ask you, what is an author? What is an author? It's like, is it a trick question? You know, it's not a trick question, guys. You know what an author is. It's the writer of a book or, or let's say the writer of some form of thing or the creator of some form of thing. What does an author know? Everything. I saw Alicia mouth that everything, everything. That's right, everything. The author knows the beginning and the author knows the end. The author knows what happens in chapter eight and he knows what happens in chapter two. And you know what? If in chapter two something really bad happened, it's okay because in chapter eight something really great will happen. 
You see, the author knows everything. Why? Why do we act like God doesn't know? <laughs> or that somehow God, because we messed up in chapter one, he's done with our book. He's not. Because God is the author of grace. Look at this. Look at it. It says, looking away from all that will distract us, focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. You see, the author, he knows in your story where you'll have to mature. He knows in your story what's gonna have to happen. He knows the beginning and the end and the middle and everything else. And if we would just focus on him, he'll mature us each and every day. If we just focus on him and not worry about all the other stuff and make our focus on him, then he'll grow us each and every single day. And then I, then I asked him this. I said, I said what's, what's an incentive? You know, and, the, and one of them was like, something to make you do something. You know what I mean? Like, that was their definition, right? And I was like, okay, let's use an example. What does your mom and dad say, right? Hey, mow the grass, I'll give you 10 bucks. You're not mowing the grass because you love grass. Yeah, right. You're not doing that. You're mowing it because you know $10 is coming in and that's going to something, right? There's an incentive. And notice the incentive, the first incentive of our faith. Notice that it's Jesus. Why is the reason, what's the reason for us focusing on him? What is your reason for focusing on him? Are you focusing on him because he first focused on you? See, another reason why some people pursue after God and they, they begin to, they start off on the right track and then they start to go over to that goal, right? And they sort of focus on the, what God's going to accomplish in them, the goals in their life, which are all good. But what they do is, is they start to rely on the fact that the incentive is me getting to that goal and they undermine and second guess the fact that it's really Jesus, because he's the one who loves us. He's the one who cherishes us. He's the one who cares for us. You see, it says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, the first incentive of our belief. Your first incentive of why you came to him was because you were broken and you were lost and you were torn up inside and your life was in shambles or you were going through hardship and all of a sudden there was a God who loved you so much and he showed you in that moment who he was and how he died for you and how he saved you and how he desires to set you free through his power and through his spirit and through his presence and he he wants to know you. You remember the first incentive why you believed? Everyone, close your eyes for a moment. Do you remember the first time you really met Jesus? Think about it right now in your head and in your heart, most importantly, the first moment where you met him, where you saw him move in your life. I can remember it. I was in handcuffs on the side of the road, about to go to jail because of terrible choices, because I focused on the world and I focused on my sin and I focused on everything else and I didn't focus on Jesus. And I was on the side of the road about to go to jail and all of a sudden I said, God, I'll stop focusing on this and I'll focus on you. If you're there, if you're real, I'll give you my life if you get me out of this. And what did God do? Five minutes later, the cops came over, took my handcuffs off and said, we don't know why we're doing this, but we're just going to let you go. See, that was my first incentive. It's because he gave me grace when I didn't deserve it. He gave me love when I didn't earn it. He gave me peace 
when all I should have had was hardship. And that's why when I left that parking lot and I went to my dorm room, every day I heard the Holy Spirit say, go to a church, go to a church, go to a church. And that's why when I came back home, if my mom was here, she could testify. She said, let's put you in a clinic. Let's put you in a place. Let's put you in a rehab facility. And I said, no, mom, no, I want you to take me to a church because I need to get right with God. You see, what was I, what was I doing? My heart was focusing on God. You know, that's why my mom, after I got saved and I was spending hours in the Bible every day, which I never read before my whole life, never even cared to read a book. That's why for hours when I was in there praying and reading my Bible and she's like, what has happened to you? I don't know what's happened to you. And my dad's like, he's a weirdo. We don't know what's wrong with him. And my family's like, he's in a cult. His life is over. You know, they're like, what is happening? And all I'm doing is I'm focusing on Jesus. And she says, I have four other colleges that we can send your stuff to and they might pick you up so you can play basketball at because I was a basketball player. And I looked at her, I said, you know what, mom, I'm done. I want to follow Jesus. I'm done with basketball. And she's like, what? You worked your whole life for this. Since the second grade, my goal was to get to college. When I was in the 10th grade, I had a principal come in. No knock on him. He's just being hard and real. He said, none of you are going to go to college for sports. I looked him dead in the face and said, I'm going. And I worked my tail end off. And I went by God's grace. Of course, I made terrible decisions, but God again found me in that moment and gave me grace. But my point is, is I stopped focusing on myself. I stopped focusing on what I want. You see, another issue is, is that we focus on these goals and we focus on these things and we focus on what we want and we don't focus on what Jesus wants. And we tag Jesus in it. And then we don't know why we're struggling. It's because Jesus isn't even there. That's why. And we haven't given him our heart. That's the most important thing. Jesus is the one who knows what we need. Like I said, he's the author. He's the perfecter of our faith, right? We're just going to stay on this. I don't care about the rest of the notes. Look at this really quick. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith, the first incentive for our belief. I do care, but I'm saying this is what I feel in my heart. He's for our belief in the one who brings our faith to maturity. And this is what I love. Who for the joy of accomplishing the goal. Remember that goal thing that I was talking about earlier? When God said, Reese, don't make me your goal. Make me your focus. Do you understand this is how Jesus lived? I was talking to a brother about this. You say, how do you know that, Pastor Reese? Because when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you constantly hear Jesus say, I only go where the Father tells me to go. Jesus wasn't journaling out where he was going three weeks at a time. He was like, okay, I'll be in Galilee you know, next Thursday. I'll be in Galilee. Then over here, I'll be over in Capernaum. And then I'll come over here and you know, I'll raise a dead man over here. Like, he didn't do that. Why? Because he was focused on God. Every day was a focus of God in his life. You got to remember, Jesus grew up in a different time, right? He didn't live in America 2022, where it's you have to have a million dollars by the time you're 33. And you have to own a house and have three kids and two dogs and four cars. You know? And, and you know, you got to look this way. You got to act this way. Oh, you're not this? Then you're, you're totally messed up, man. You're going the wrong way. Jesus said the son of man has no place to lay his head. Whoa, wait, what? He was homeless? Yeah, at times. <laughs> Think about it. 
His focus solely was on God. But notice this. Did Jesus know the goal of why he was there? 100%. Because remember when he's in the temple and he heals the man with the withered hand? I believe this is the correlation to this. If I'm wrong, it's still in there, just in a different spot. But it's, I'm, not, I'm not misquoting the, the scripture. I'm just saying the placement. I think it's right after he heals that man with the withered hand, the Pharisees are like, you know, who, you know, who are you? You know what I mean? They're, they're all trying to figure out, you a prophet, you Elijah, you this, you that, you know? And, and, and he says, they say to him, give us a sign so that we know, right? And he says, destroy this temple. And in three days, it'll be raised up. Now their minds, where does their minds go? The temple that they're in. They're like, this took 47 years. How are you going to destroy this in three days? You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to build this back up in, in three days? How, what, like, what? But remember in that same scripture, it says the disciples remembered what he said and they realized that this wasn't about that, the temple. It was about him dying. See, Jesus knew the goal, but it wasn't his focus yet. How do, I, how do you know that, Pastor Reese? Because I really started to think about this. And I started to think, if Jesus knew the goal, okay, and if he wanted to do it like we do it, the day that John the Baptist pulled him up out of the water, he would have been like, take me to the cross. That's what we would have done. Come on now. We love to rush. I want to go back to glory. Take me to the cross. He didn't do that. I started to think about that. He lived his whole life up to 30, then was called into the ministry of the gospel, right? And John's like, behold, the Lamb of God, you know? And he gets, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Jordan, comes out, and then what does he do for three years? Focuses on God. You know why? Because even though Jesus' goal was to be the Savior, to be our sacrifice, to be our salvation, that through him and in our relationship with him, we have redemption and reconciliation with God, he said, you know what? God might have other things for me in this season, but if I don't focus on God, I'm going to miss all those other things for, for me and what he's asking me to do. And what did he do every day? He walked with these 12 guys, right? And what did he do with these 12 guys? He went and ministered to these thousands of people, right? So what if Jesus wouldn't have done those things? See, my point is, is Jesus focused on God first. He still knew the goal, but he let God accomplish it through his life. Because if you look at that scripture again, it says, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him. What did he do? He endured the cross. He disregarded the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He went through all of that. For us, he went through all of that to save us. But most importantly, he showed us that the most important thing in our lives is to focus on God. Because like I said, everywhere he went, I only go where the Father tells me to go. I only do what the Father tells me to do. I go here because the Father tells me to go here. I'm not saying that that's what God's going to necessarily do for you exactly, but my point is, is God is saying first to us in this scripture, if we're going to run this race, if we're going to endure this, if we're going to make it through, we have to be focusing on Jesus. We can't get caught up on what's going to happen 10 years from now. We can't get caught up on the fact that God spoke to me this, that, and the other. You know, I knew this brother, this was years ago, and I'm about to wrap up. I know I'm past 12 o'clock. I'm sorry. 
I knew this young man. He was my age. And we went to CFNI. I don't know if you've ever been to CFNI. It's a wonderful place. And we went there for a night of worship. It was just wonderful. Just all these young people going crazy for Jesus. It's like 5,000 kids in this place. And there was adults there. But all these, you know, 18 to 24-year-olds just going after God, you know. Great and amazing just moves of God. Seeing God manifest and his power work and touch and heal people. But in the midst of all that, I was sitting there and, and I was worshiping. And this, this, this man, I don't remember him. He just came up to me. And prayed this prayer over me. And he said that the Lord was going to use me in this way. And use me in this way. And use me in this way. Meanwhile, guys, I worked at Hobby Lobby. Okay? So, uh, I, you know, I'm going to be preaching to thousands of people. I don't know how that's going to happen. I work at Hobby Lobby. I'm a stock boy. I don't know what this, how, how's this going to happen? How's this going to happen? But I'm hearing this, right? And I receive it. And I thank God for it. And he said some things that I know were significant because I've seen some of them come to pass now. But my point is, he says this word, and this young man that I knew was standing next to me, and he, it was like he was about to just, just come out of his skin. He was like, oh my gosh, you know, he's just like, that's so amazing, and he's freaking out, right? This guy that came with me. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's great, man. And we leave, We're driving home. I picked him up. I'm going to drop him off. We leave. And he's like, so man, so like, how do you think, how do you think this is going to happen? Like with the thousands of people thing. And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, what do you mean? Like, we got to figure out how this is going to happen, man. We got to make this happen. I mean, this guy was so hung up on this. He said, you're not going to, you're, why aren't you excited? I said, because God will take me there when he's ready. I had learned something, you know, not that I was a skeptic, like that guy was a nut. No, that prayed over me. No, but I realized something. If I would have got hung up on that, it would have ruined what God was going to do in my life. It would have ruined it. I know it would have, because then it would have been about me getting there and not about him taking me there. How does this relate again to Jesus? It relates in this way. Remember before he dies, Okay, remember, he spends three years with these men walking, preaching the gospel, reaching people, healing, raising the dead, doing these miracles, preaching the kingdom of God, declaring who he is. You know, those who hear, who truly hear, they heard. You know, and those who truly saw, they saw. You know what I mean? He does all these miraculous things. We know that they're in the gospel. But notice what happens the night that he gets taken. He's praying. Yeah, he's praying, God, take this cup from me. Yeah, Lord, if this is your will, let it be done. But he's still focusing on God. He could have been like, all right, guys, we're going to have to have the world's biggest shindig because this is the last night. I know this is the goal. It's coming. I know, you know, and then what does he do? No, he doesn't. He keeps pursuing God up to that moment. Up to the moment, he's pursuing God. And what I love is, is then he gets up from praying and he's like, all right, it's time to go. The son of man is about to be taken. And the disciples are like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Jesus? You see, he knew. But like I said, God needed him to focus. Jesus had to focus on other things during his walk of ministry up to the point of accomplishing the greatest goal for us. So I don't know about you, but the thing that I pray that you receive from this message is this. Your number one focus should be Jesus. And if he speaks to you and says, I'm going to call you to do this, then you say yes. 
but you continue to focus on Jesus. Because for me, I remember when God called me to preach, I was working at Hobby Lobby. He called me to preach. I had only preached maybe two or three sermons up to that point. But God said, I'm going to make you a pastor. I heard it in my prayer closet. All I said was, yes. Okay, I'll do it. Whatever you want, I'll do it. And I would go to work and they would make fun of me. Not because they were bad people, because they thought I was a little crazy. Because they'd say, so, uh, you know, what, what's your goals in life? I'm going to be a pastor. Well, how are you doing that? I don't know. Jesus is going to do it. And they'd be like, what? I'd be like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm going to ministry school and I'm taking classes. But when God's time, God's time, he'll, he'll do it. He'll do it. And then I changed jobs. Then I'm at a new job. So what, what, are you, what are you planning to do? Well, I'm going to be a pastor. Notice, I'm not at the goal yet. I didn't call up every local church in Mesquite and go, you need a pastor? You need a pastor? You need a pastor? Hey, do you need a pastor? I didn't force my way into God's goal. I pursued his heart. And the more I pursued him, what does the Bible say? Those who diligently seek him, what, what happens? What happens? Yeah. Right? Suddenly everything falls into place. And I was walking through that shop that day at my other job. And I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, what are you doing for me here? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm preaching the gospel. I'm seeing people get touched by you, God. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be the man you're calling me to be, right? And he says, this isn't what I have for you. Quit. You think that would go over well with your boss? It didn't with my manager. She thought I was crazy again. What do you mean, Reese? You need to quit? Yeah, I need to quit. Why do you need to quit? Is it money? No, Harry, it's not money. No, uh, why do you need to quit? Because Jesus told me to quit. I don't understand what you're saying right now. <laughs> and I'm like, God has something for me. I don't know what it is, but he told me to do this. She's like, okay, I hate that we're losing you because they liked me. They enjoyed how hard I worked and, and the fact that I was willing. So I leave and I'm back at home, right? I'm back at home with my mom. <laughs> She's like, uh, so, you know, she came in my room one day. What's the plan here? You know what I mean? Like, like, like uh, you getting another job or something? And I'm like, no, mom. I, I said, I've prayed. I feel like the Lord told me to wait. He has something for me. And I love my mom because my mom said, okay, okay. I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to leech off of you, mom. I promise. He has something for me, please. Just, and I waited two months. And when I quit two weeks later, the former youth pastor of this church declared that they were going to leave. And I had people ask me, would you like to take that position? You know what I told them? Please do not talk to me about that. You may say, why in the world would you, you don't want to get your foot in the door like the world? You know how many people I've talked to my age? Yeah, are, are in positions because they get their foot in the door, which is good. But they're pursuing their goals and their heart. But with God, I said, God, this is your goal for my life. I'm obeying you. And if you want me there, you'll put me there. And that's what God did. You see, I didn't want it to be about me. And the same goes for you. Because the more we focus on who Jesus is in our life and we pursue him in our hearts and we remove those things that need to be removed and we become more like him, 
He'll take you to where he's calling you. You see, the work is us making the choice every day to pursue. It's not always to figure out every detail. But we have to be willing to make that choice. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I pray that God, it spoke to someone's heart in this place. Maybe, Lord, that they've been so focused on somehow accomplishing the things of God that they forgot about who God was. That, Lord, today their hearts would be revived in this way, in this understanding that, Father, our focus first has to be on you. And Jesus, that doesn't mean that we just become hermits and we live in our house. No, Lord. It means that wherever we are, if we're working in a job that maybe, Lord, you've given us, but it's not the calling or the vision or the final thing that we feel like you're saying. Because, Lord, I know goals change and things change in our life. But, Lord, I think of your son. I think of you, Jesus. The goal and the accomplishment was for you to be our sacrifice, our Savior, our King, our Lord, our High Priest. But, Lord, along the way, Lord, you, you used him in so many ways. You spoke to so many people. You healed and touched so many who came to believe even in that moment. And so, God, I pray that our hearts would be just like Christ in obedience. In obedience to you, Lord. And to say, Jesus, I'm going to focus on you first. And God, if that is what you want, you will make it happen. And I will be obedient to you. And every day, I'll follow you and seek you and read your word and grow close to you. And Lord, I'll listen to when you say, go and do this and, and preach this and speak this to this lost person. I'll be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But God, I won't get so caught up with trying to outrun you to reach what I feel like would give me satisfaction. Because, Lord, I find all my satisfaction in you. Lord, let your people know that if we first seek God, if we first seek his understanding, I think of Proverbs 3, Lord. It says, don't go by our understanding. It says, first seek the understanding of God. Pursue God and he'll guide our steps. He'll open the doors. Lord, I pray that that would be our heart as a church. Because, Lord, I know that's why we're all the way at this point with this building. It's because, God, we focused on you. And you opened the doors when they needed to be open. And you closed the ones that needed to be closed. So, Lord, help your people to do this every day. To pursue you with all their hearts. To make you their focus, Jesus. And, God, you'll carry them to where you're calling them to be, Father. You'll make the way. I thank you that you will do this. And I thank you for the testimonies that will come along the way through this process. And it will all be for your glory, Father. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Hope everybody enjoys the Super Bowl. I wasn't going to acknowledge it now, but during, my, during the, the message, because I didn't want y'all to lose y'all's focus. So I hope y'all enjoy the rest of y'all's afternoon, and y'all have a great rest of your Sunday.